Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. American Glutton Podcast has a Patreon. Do you hate commercials? Well, we've got a Patreon. Do you want bonus episodes? That's on the Patreon. Do you want to hang out and chat in our Discord channel? That's part of the Patreon, too. We even have an option where you can leave me voicemails. All on the Patreon. So check it out today. Patreon.com slash American Glutton. We have a Patreon. Hi. I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glut. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying this show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. American Glutton is brought to you by Trifecta. The biggest factor in weight loss for me has been knowing ahead of time what I'm going to eat and having it ready when I need it. Trifecta meal deliveries have made this completely effortless for me and have been a total game changer in both diet and maintenance. Go to www.trifectanutrition.com slash American Glutton to make your life and physical goals a whole lot easier. Colin O'Brady is an all-around badass. He has 10 world records for outlandish things like walking alone across Antarctica or rowing a boat across the Drake Passage. He's also a New York Times best-selling author and has a new book coming out called The 12-Hour Walk. Check him out or check out his website, 12hourwalk.com. Stay tuned after the episode for a check-in with Michael Pena. Colin O'Brady, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Thanks for having me, man. Great to be here. Dude, you have done some completely insane things. Like, I think Antarctica is the last continent I have uh, on my list, and then I've been to, to every continent. And when I think about it, I think about like, no, I just need to go and like put a toe on it and go like, OK, I did this and maybe float around and look for some whales or, or something like that. <laughs> you walked across it. Yes, I did. I walked across it. Uh, not only walk across it, but I walked across it. I was the first person to cross it 
the entire continent solo. Um, and then unsupported. Planes, which means- planes don't fly over Antarctica. <laughs> like this is, that's insane. Yeah. So it was a, it was a long walk, man. It was 54 days alone. I was pulling a 375 pound sled cause I was doing something called unsupported. So no resupplies of food or fuel. So I basically had to have a 375 pound sled full of all my food and gear and supplies and uh, hope to make it to the other side, which I, I just did literally on my la- last bite of food, 30, 40 pounds uh, skinnier uh, wow. beat up from the journey. So yeah, man. Was it, was it just ice and snow there? I mean, there's not maybe some rocks, there's nothing else out there, right? Yeah, there's nothing there. So in the, on the coastline, you know, as you mentioned, whales, penguins, teeming sea life, you know, icebergs, it's actually quite beautiful, but in the interior for the mass vast majority uh, of my trek across, there's nothing, man. And it's 24 hours of daylight. So it's like high noon the entire time. Uh, it's white on white on white, endless white of, of basically nothingness. It's like, uh, basically I had a compass strapped to my chest that I have to look down to help navigate. If you, you know, imagine closing your eyes and walking through a dark hallway, like you're going to smack into the wall in like three steps, right? Cause like we can't <laughs> walk in a straight line, like without visual cues. So it's that, but like a endless white room, except for this white room is trying to kill you with minus 40 degree temperatures, 70 mile per hour winds, snow, ice, like, so day by day by day, 54 days in, in a row of, of that kind of punishment. Um, it was, it was a journey, man. I cannot comprehend it, dude. It's, it's, it's so wild to my imagination. It's amazing. What, what a triumph. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a, it was, it was a deep journey for sure. And more than anything, obviously physically demanding, extraordinarily physically demanding, but a a deep journey into the mind for sure. Um, which, which was, was beautiful and powerful. And in in a lot of ways has, has formed the foundation of what, what lights me up is the curiosity of sort of human potential tapping into the strength of the mind that I think we all can tap into, um, which I think really just makes a difference, uh, in so many ways. Yeah. Okay. I want to talk about, um, all of that. That's what's really important to me. But I just want to know, like, as you're making this trek, does your mind wander to um, those ancient maps that showed it not covered in ice? And like, are you walking atop some like ancient civilization that's buried in ice? And do you have theories about that? This has nothing to do with anything, but I am fascinated by Antarctica. You know, Antarctica has this uh, lore about it, you know, for good reason, right? It was the last place that, you know, human beings, unless you believe in the ancient civilizations, you know, set foot on modern human beings anyways. Um, I I didn't find the wall or as some people ask me the hole at the edge of the map, because, you know, the flat earth, you know, earthers think that I must have found the the actual edge. (laughs) So I didn't find that. Um, but what I did, you know, my mind went through a million things. One of the things that definitely went through my mind, um, not fully, fully ancient is I'm crossing out there. And again, I I don't have a lot with me. I'm solo. I'm pulling this sled, but I've got like Gore-Tex and a tent and like, you know, things that, you know, things of that nature and a GPS, things like that. And I've went back and just thought about guys a hundred plus years ago, you know, the Ernest Shackleton's, the early polar explorers, you know, a hundred years ago, just over a hundred years ago is when humans first arrived at the South pole. And those guys were like, out there for like three years. They had to sail a ship down there, shipwreck it in the ice over winter, polar, like, you know, seal skin pelts and whatever. And so I'm just like, man, just human beings just a hundred years ago. I'm like, man, I might be the first person to make this crossing with those dudes down there. Like there was some badass right. like doing that yeah. uh, in those times. So I thought a lot about that. How, how much um, do you think uh, just the average Joe is being held back because of their mind. 
I mean, to me, it's everything, you know, to me, it's everything. Um, and what's beautiful about, you know, what's beautiful about that is I believe as humans, all of us, we have these reservoirs of untapped potential inside of us to achieve extraordinary things. Most importantly, fulfillment, happiness, inner peace, but also whatever external achievement looks like. And that all starts with the mind. And what's great about that is we all have this ability. I, I believe that inherently. Um, and more so, I love to say the most important muscle that any of us has is the six inches between our ears. And, and I, I say that very intentionally because it's like, okay, I want to get, I want to get jacked and have ripped abs for summer this summer. You're like, okay, well, everyone knows, man, you better go, you know, eat a good diet, go to the bench press, do the bench press, do the ab curl, like whatever. Like we know that intuitively we know that whether we do it or not, it's another thing, but like, we know that those are kind of the steps to like getting jacked, whatever. Um, but what I think we forget so often is why, as I say, the most important muscle that we have is, is our mind, right? Is that people think, oh, the mind, maybe I'm just born with a strong mind or I'm weak in mind, right? I can't get stronger. It's like, you can get stronger. You just got to do the reps on the mental bench press. You got to actually, you know, lift the weights, you know, you gotta, you gotta push your mind and body outside of its comfort zone, stress it to some regard, because that's where it grows. And, and, and my new book, the 12 hour walk is literally about this. It's about breaking down the 10 most common limiting beliefs that we all have. And I, through, through the stories of adventure in Antarctica and all the crazy shit I've done climbing Everest twice, um, but in a, in a, in a digestible way, that's not just like, oh, Hey, this is some, some shit that I know about that I've done, but to say, what are the common limiting beliefs? I ask people all the time, like, you know, what's holding you back from living your best life. Everyone's answer to what their best life is, is different. Sometimes oh, money, fame, success, but also it's more interesting, you know, fulfillment, impact, you know, family, community, it doesn't matter what the answer is, but the limiting beliefs are the same, The where our mind plays tricks on us is the same. And the book breaks down, like, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I'm not strong enough. What if I fail? What if people criticize me? Like, look, I've dealt with every single one of those limiting beliefs. I'm sure you have. I think every person on the planet has, has felt that at times, right? But there's an ability to rewrite that narrative, to shift that mindset, to, like I said, put those reps in on the mental bench press. And ultimately this book, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but is a single day prescription, a one day massive shift that you can make by investing the one day, cost you nothing, take this 12 hour walk, you go into your mind and there is so much strength that can, can be cultivated from within because it's not, I think too often we think, Oh, well, that must be somebody else, or they're better than me, or this. It's like, no, we have so much strength within us. It's just about harnessing that and tapping into it. Do you think I I often think that um that our, our body is kind of like a very advanced machine, but kind of dumb. Like all of our bodies functions seem to be geared towards what it perceives as like long-term survival. And if we've trained it throughout our younger years that like we're going to get food. We don't have to put any energy into procuring food. We don't have to put any energy into any really not much of anything nowadays um, that when you when you find yourself exerting energy that your mind, your, your, your body and the, the conditioning of your mind really try to stop you really yes. try to say you don't have to do like what are you doing this is this is too much for us we can get food uh just by dialing on a phone and they're going to bring it to us why are you doing like because i think everything yeah. in in the relationship to what my body wants it's acting 
in its best, in what it believes its best interest is. And, and then I wind up like I wake up morbidly obese and I go like, my body's perfectly happy. It's got all this fat saved because it believes tomorrow there's going to be a famine. You know, totally. Yeah. Uh, well, I think, yeah, our, you know, like you said, the sort of our, the, our DNA was hard coded for this, right? Like it's hard coded, like you said, a hunter gatherer society back in time is like the second you get a little bit of fat, like you store that, you like, you want that because you don't know when that next meal was coming, right? Like that's how it was for human beings for a very long period of time. Now we've created this modern society where, as you said, you can you dial your phone and have Uber Eats at your front door with, you know, basically infinite amount of calories at any period of time. But our, our brains haven't necessarily caught up to that. Right. It, either there's a another one. Well, I want to talk more about food and nutrition. I'll loop back on that in a second. But also another one that comes to mind for me that's like that. And I write about this in terms of criticism, which is when we were growing, when we were growing up, excuse me, as humans were evolving. We were in tribal society, right? And if the tribe turned our, their back on us, we would literally die, right? Like if you were left out of the tribe and the tribe continued on with you in a hunter-gatherer format, like, and you were, some, you were cast aside and your survival was compromised. It's terrifying. Terrifying. So we have that hard-coded into us, which is what comes in our modern society is this fear of criticism, right? Fear of other people's opinions of us. Because back, you know, thousands in our DNA, it's like, man, if you get cast out, like you might die. Right. But in our modern society, if 10 people don't like you, like it doesn't really matter. Right. Because there's another 10 people you can meet another 10. You can find your tribe over and over and over again and you're not going to die. But our DNA, our primitive brain, like you're saying, our, the dumbness of our brain is telling us you might die. So we get this fight or flight and that fear of criticism actually stifles us. It stifles our own creativity. It stifles our own ability to act upon our impulses to create something unique or different or beautiful. It's like, no, no, no. Don't put your head up too much. You don't, don't let the tribe find you out. You don't want to get cast aside. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is so true. And even now, like I could fully picture when there's a tribe of like a hundred people and you don't know of other people and you're all dependent on each other for literal survival. If some guy comes and goes, I have this great idea. Let's start grinding up apple seeds and putting them in our our, our mead or whatever. Right. Yeah. And, and somebody else is like, that idea is really dangerous, really dangerous. <laughs> Get rid of this guy with the bad idea. Well, now we have a, a similar version of that where it's like somebody doesn't like your idea. And then they get people together to go like, he's trying to kill us with this idea. And it's like, no, I, you know. I'm just talking about my, my experience losing right. weight. I'm not attacking you. You know what I mean? Like right. everything becomes hyper literal and a direct threat to survival when it's like, no, dude, now there's 350 million people here. I don't need you. You don't need me. Go find right. your people. Go find your own tribe. And then I love what you said before about, I mean, just picturing it. And of course I do this all the time, just ordering food, the ease of stuff like that. Right. And what I've come to realize, I've kind of started to think about through my Antarctica crossing, through my, some of my other expeditions, the other stuff in my life that, you know, I was severely burning a fire many years ago and I spent months in a Thai hospital being told I would never walk again. Normally, Like I've had some, some hard setbacks. That was before all of this, before, before you climbed Mount Everest. Yeah. yeah. I've actually, I'll dive into that story for a second. Cause I think it's interesting that that was this next point that I, that's important to me, which is sort of this spectrum of life and what you said, sort of the adversity, but like forcing ourselves out of that comfort zone a little bit. So after college, I was, I was traveling. I didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up and I saved, saved a bunch of money to um, 
you know, travel, but it's, but on the cheap, you know, I had a few thousand bucks, you know, as a young kid and was like, I'm gonna take a surfboard and a backpack and like, you know, hitchhike around and sleep on people's couches and have a few, few bucks in my pocket for some beers at night. And like, that was it. But that was, you know, I wanted to have an adventure. It was a great experience for me. Actually, first stop on that adventure, I, I met my now wife of 15 years. So I say that was a win out of the gate. Um, but I found myself on this small beach in rural Thailand and I see these guys jumping a flaming jump rope. And I look at that and I think, oh, that looks like fun. I'm 22, no fully formed prefrontal cortex. What the hell could go wrong, right? Well, I'm an idiot. It instant my life changed. The rope wrapped around my legs, lit my body completely on fire to oh, my God. neck. Um, you know, in a big fireball basically. And I jumped in the ocean, which saved my life, but not before about 25% of my body was severely burned, predominantly my legs and my feet. And I spent, you know, a long time in these rural Thai hospitals. I mean, there's a cat running around my bed and across my chest in the ICU. Like I was in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I was going into a deep, dark, emotional depression with this. I've been very active as a kid. I was a swimmer in college and the doctor walks and he says, you'll never walk again normally. You know, the way that you damage your ligaments and your ankles and your knees, like it'll just never be the same. And the physical pain was intense, but the, that emotional downward spiral was like, man, you messed up. And thankfully my mother, the incredible woman that she is, she tells me now that she was afraid and crying herself, but she never showed me that fear coming into my hospital room. She was just in there with this like effervescent positivity, like, let's picture a more positive future. What do you want to do when you get out of here? Let's set a goal. And I was like, mom, like life is, I know it's over, but then she kept pressing me and she's like, fine, picture anything, picture some positive outcome. I don't, I didn't call it this at the time, but I now call this the possible mindset, which is important to me. It's like an empowered way of thinking that unlocks a life of limitless possibilities, no matter what situation you're in, in any given moment, if you find yourself unhealthy, if you find yourself facing a a bad setback or a breakup or a divorce, whatever it's life, life's hard, man. Like life's hard, but there's this infinite possibilities of, of outcomes on the other side of this. And I, I said to my mom, I was like, okay, well, this sounds ridiculous, but I just pictured myself crossing the finish line of a triathlon. And she could have easily been like, yeah, I said, set a goal, but like, <laughs> right. like look at your like bandage from the waist down. Like, you right. walk. like maybe something more realistic, but instead right. she's like, she's like, great. Actually you should start training for it now. And I'm like, now she's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. She yells at the doc. She goes, Hey doc, um, my son's training for a triathlon. Can you bring him in some weights? So I just picture me with a Thai doctor looking at me like this stupid American kid's not going to walk. And I'm lifting these 10 pound dumbbells, my, my waist and bandage from the waist down with like bloody gauze. I'm like, I'm training for a triathlon. This guy's right. like, this guy is out of his freaking mind. Anyways, fast forward. It's many months until I get released from the hospital. I'm in a wheelchair when I get home. I have to slowly literally learn how to walk one step at a time. My legs are atrophied to the size of, you know, my wrists basically. But I eventually start walking a little bit and then I can jog. And 18 months after being burned, I signed up for the Chicago triathlon um, to race my first ever triathlon to honor this goal. And I complete the triathlon, which was a big moment for me after being told I would never walk again normally to prove kind of fight back against that diagnosis. And to my complete and utter surprise, I actually hadn't just finished the race, but I actually won the entire (laughs) Chicago triathlon placing first out of like 5,000 people on the day. (laughs) And, you know, it's easy to get caught up. Oh my God, you won this thing. You must be some superhuman athlete. But like, to me, that's not the essence of this. To me, the essence is this crossroads, this moment in the Thai hospital with left up to my own devices. I am downward spiraling. I am in a wheelchair. I am never going to be the same. My mother rescued me. She instilled that possible mindset in me, that mindset shift. 
And there's, I'm certain of this. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you, you know, humbly with 10 world records and our things I've accomplished since then, if it hadn't been for this moment, if it hadn't been for my mother instilling that. But the totality, the, the full circle thought on that for me, it, this is not a me thing. This is an everybody thing. This is an everybody's ability to cultivate and strengthen that possible mindset. And ultimately, in my book, The 12 Hour Walk, is really about how we all have this capacity. And it's very specific about how we can all unlock that somewhat simply. But you said before about sitting there and ordering food and having it being easy. And what I've come to realize is life in our modern society it can be easy, easy, not good. I think don't we confuse those two things, right? Totally easy in agree. terms of like, just, just too, yeah, too many modern conveniences kind of. And I've come to think of life sort of on the scale of one to 10, one being these worst low moments, burning myself in a fire, you know, being in Antarctica alone, afraid and cold. These are ones. And then tens are these pinnacle moments, these high highs that we reach, you know, the birth of your first child, falling in love, skiing a beautiful powder day, if that's what you're into, or surfing a perfect wave, um, any number of things that light you up. For me, crossing Antarctica, becoming the first person, you know, crossing the finish line of this travel. And these are the tens. And we and all want nothing easy about the tens. Well, that's the thing, right? We all want the tens. We go, oh, I want all these tens. I, I want all these. This is such a beautiful moment. Like whatever my, my, I'm holding my child for the first time. Like I've never felt so in love. It's a baby in my life. It's like, you had to go through labor to do that. You know, hard it is, you know, I, I obviously, I don't know as a man, but it's like to be pregnant, but an observation being pregnant, going through the labor, like there's some, a lot of ones in there to get to that 10. Or for me, crossing the finish line of that triathlon, that fulfillment, this lesson, this important lesson my mom taught me, I got there, but only because I also experienced the one. And what ends up happening in our modern society is people end up, what I talk about, what I say, living in this zone of comfortable complacency, what I call the four to six range, right? Just like right squarely in the middle, day by day. And it's like, you know, I got this job. It's fine. It pays the bills. I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's fine. Five five, five, but like every day is a five, right? Or you've been in a, a relationship for a few years. It's not toxic. It's not bad. It's not like abusive or anything like that. You're cohabitating. It's fine, but it's like five, five. And all of a sudden your days are just five. Oh, you know, I just order food off my whatever five. Like, it's just like five, five, five. And what I realized is the reason we stay in this five or this four to six range, this zone of comfortable complacency is because we're so afraid of experiencing any ones. We are hedging against all of the ones. Like no matter what, I don't want to take any risks. I don't want to step out my comfort zone with this. But by not allowing yourself some exposure to discomfort, you also take off the table all the tens, all the high highs. You can't have the tens without the ones. You need to have them both. And so what it just it came to my mind when you said that comment earlier, but it's just, it's that same thing of like, it's easy to just sit there and have like, you know, survive and like get by in our modern society. But like, that's not the juice of life. Like, I totally agree. Yeah. And I even think my perspective changed because I, for a long time, it was like really confronting my life, which I just considered like a five, like you're talking about, like, no, I'm a creature of habit and, and this is easier than making a change. But if I really confront it and I really look at it, I'm at a one. My yeah. five is actually a one. Yes. And the amount of effort and, and energy that I'm putting into just maintaining the five 
is equal to getting to the 10. It's just a matter of me shifting my habits and refocusing my efforts. Totally. And I mean, I love what you said, because that's really where my mind goes. It's like, I don't know, okay, it's like a weird visualization in my mind, but like, instead of a linear curve, like one being the lowest low and 10 being the highest high, it's almost like a V or a parabola. The five is actually the low point, <laughs> the right? Like sucks, the five is the worst. Like yeah. that's the worst, right? The ones and tens, like you're feeling something. Maybe it's if you're afraid or hurt at one, but you're alive. Like you're in that moment. And the tens, the same thing, like that comp. And it's not to say you don't want to be in the five, some, like you got to be there some, right. That's where we build. That's where we create. That's where we recover. That's where, you know, like that is important. It's not just to live a life of extremes, but to only live there. People ask me because of the adventures I've been on, there's some some implicit, you know, life or death stakes. And they say, do you have a death wish calling? Are you you afraid to die? Aren't you afraid to die? I said, man, the last thing I want to do is die. I take so much caution. I, I want to be there for my family. I want, you know, this, but I'll tell you what I'm more afraid of. I'm more afraid of not living of right. not living of that. Exactly what you're telling, just like hitting that autopilot every single day in that zone of comfortable complacency, just, you know, just passing the time. That's actually my much bigger fear yeah. uh, in my own life. That drives me forward for sure. Dude. I mean, listening to you and, and just the concepts you're, you're spreading. It's so inspirational. It really does make me feel like, and, and I've been to the gym already today and, and, but it makes me feel like I, I gotta, I gotta spend the rest of my day after this doing something, you know, it really, it, um, I don't know. I imagine this is what religious people feel when they go to <laughs> church, you know, something like that, where you're just like, yes, I, 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 I can, uh, I can appreciate this. I associate with this. This speaks to me. It's so great. Well, it, it, to, I, I want to talk a little bit about this 12 hour walk itself, because what I'm so excited I love sharing my stories of adventure and my last book that I wrote a couple of years ago called the impossible first, all about my Antarctica journey you became a New York Times bestseller, sharing the story of my life. And I'm very proud of that. But what I'm so excited about with this book, The 12-Hour Walk, is although it lights up your mind with rich storytelling, the edge of adventure, you're not going to be bored. It's not some boring textbook or something like that. At the end of the day, like I am not the hero of this book. You, the reader, or if you're listening to it on Audible, you, the listener, are the hero of this story. This is a book and a story for you to turn the mirror on you, to have you have impact, not just passively watching someone, oh man, that was a cool story. I dug that. But it's like, it's inviting you to do something. So I'll I'll tell you kind of how I got there. Because at the end of the day, it's an invitation. And it's an invitation for this one day adventure that I have seen change people's lives instantly. And it's powerful, man, but it's simple and it's deep. So when I was crossing Antarctica solo, when I was crossing Antarctica solo, I actually had to pull my sled 12 hours every single day, 375 pounds, which got a little bit lighter because I'd eat some food or whatever, but I was actually burning 10,000 calories a day and I only could carry enough for 7,000. So on day one, I'm already on a 3000 calorie deficit. Um, so man, if you were looking for, I know you, I know you're into fat diets, man. The next one, maybe it's just pulling the sled across Antarctica, the starvation. (laughs) By the way, I, I, in, in an attempt to like, um, improve my my knees because i was very heavy for a long time and 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 my knees are not great i started doing sled pulls and i would do them just as my warm-up i'd do uh i think 200 meters forward and backwards that's good you know i i'd put i I, this is a sled with wheels and you jack up the resistance and then add a couple hundred pounds i couldn't i mean 200 meters forward and backwards took me 15 minutes 
15 minutes. Yeah. I, I get 12 hours is a uh, like I'm hearing what you're yeah. saying and I'm going like, this is like fucking insane. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of pulling and it was nearly a thousand miles in the end. And I'll tell you what, on day one, hour one, I, I couldn't pull my sled more than about 10 feet. And I started yeah. sobbing, literally crying alone in Antarctica. But it's minus 40. So what happens when you start crying? Well, it turns out the tears, they actually freeze your face, which is like the all-time most. But that I get told my friends, family, the New York Times interviewed, I'm going to cross Antarctica solo. I'm out there for one hour and I've frozen tears on my face. I'm like, wow, this is not going great. <laughs> so it was. let, let me just be clear that it, it was not an easy journey. But I did settle into this 12-hour cadence, mostly because I realized I was going to run out of food and supplies otherwise. People had attempted this crossing pre previous to me. And, uh, you know, one guy a few years before me was out there for 71 days and ultimately just a hundred miles from the finish line, um, ended up falling ill and dying out there. Super, super sad. Um, another guy, a couple years after that, a very, very famous prolific polar explorer guy who I really respect. He ran out of food and supplies and had to be uh, evacuated and picked up. Didn't make it. People were like, this is the, the math equation doesn't work. You can't take enough supplies. It's too far. You can't pull the sled. Anyways, I settled into this 12 hours. And what was interesting is my body declined rapidly. I lost, you know, all this weight. I was a bag, you know, ribs and hip bones sticking out, frostbite on my cheek. I mean, it was like I was beat up. My mind started getting stronger. The stillness and the silence and the endless white, like we were talking about in Antarctica, actually at first was like the most terrifying thing. I'm alone in my thoughts. But as I finally let those thoughts settle, I found flow. I found calm. I felt connected. No music, no podcast, no no. No, I intentionally, I intentionally deleted basically all of that because I thought the distraction of it at first would be helpful. Yeah. But the actual, the, the, the curiosity was if you can get past that, what can I discover? And, and sure enough, it was terrible. The first couple weeks I was like, this is worse that you deleted all your stuff. Like, can you, and we can re- reverse that decision. Right. But ultimately I found this kind of meditative bliss, this peace, this fulfillment, this joy, this depth of, of, of mind, body, soul. And it was just the most incredible experience. I, uh, I wrote a chapter in my last book that at the end of the book, it's not called I'm awesome. I crossed Antarctica. The last chapter is infinite love, just about gratitude and, you know, peace. And my body was just the worst it's ever been. Like, I mean, I was falling apart, but emotionally I was strong. So when I got back, from that expedition, I thought, wow, I found it. Like I unlocked the key. Like I found this place in my mind. And that was true for a while. I felt like some calm, some, some professionally, a number of things went well for me in the following years, whatever. Um, and then COVID hit and then COVID hit. And we all remember March of 2020, like locked in our houses. I was no different life disrupted. And there's just like this swirling, understandable fear. People are dying. There's uncertainty. The borders are closed. Like what the, what's happening, right? All the stuff I had planned was canceled just like everyone else's lives. So disrupted. I'm sitting uh, in a small cabin. My family has on the Oregon coast near where I grew up um, with my wife and my dog. And I find myself just getting into a deep, dark depression, man. Like I get in a dark place in my mind, which like I thought, I was like, oh, I hacked it in Antarctica. I figured it out. I'm good forever, you know? And as you know, with the ups and downs, like sometimes you feel like you've got it, whether that's your fitness, your weight, your diet, your whatever. And then some external shift or internal shift happens and you find yourself kind of back to where you started. I, well, I think the most dangerous thing And like you said before, is this idea of coasting. And so no matter what we have, whether it's this, you know, enlightenment or uh, physical achievement or whatever, if we get there and we go, I'm done, 
you're done. You're going to yeah. hit fives. You're going to be at fives. You're not going to be hitting tens. So a hundred percent. And that's happened to me at one point, my wife looks over me during COVID lockdown and she goes, you do realize you haven't changed out of your pajamas for three days. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm kind of like, well, why would I, it's like nothing, you know, whatever. And I'm just like sitting there on my phone, like doom, like reading the 97th article about COVID doom scrolling the news, like, you know, whatever, looking at my social media way too. I just like, you know, just like, ugh, just kind of in this funk. And I'm finally like, okay, what am I doing, man? You got you to do something about this. Like, and so I say to my wife, I was like, you know, the last time I felt that connected, that, that sort of really deep, fulfilled feeling, strangely enough, was at the end of walking across Antarctica, these 12-hour days. And so I said to her, I was like, this is going to sound ridiculous, but she's like, used to me saying you know, stupid shit to her. And I was like, I'm going to go walking tomorrow, 12 hours all day. Don't worry about me. I'll be home by dinner. And she was like, yeah, all right, have fun. You know, great. <laughs> um, so I walk out the front door that morning. And 20 minutes in, my phone buzzes in my pocket. And of course, just like the rest of us, instinctively, I pull it out. I'm gonna text my buddy back who's ever texted me. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing, man? Like, I've been like staring at my phone, social. And it's not to like to begrudge those things, but it's like, I just need a break, man. And so I instantly just like put my phone in airplane mode. And for the rest of the day, walk, no music, no podcast, in silence and stillness. I, I took some breaks, but I was out there for 12 hours. And I come back to my front door, I open the door. My wife looks at me and she's like, you're back. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm back. Like, you know, like I said, I would be, no, no, no. She goes, no, you haven't even said anything. And I can tell like you're back. Like she saw that vitality in my eyes again. You know, that that's kind of that, that kind of had knocked the dust off of, of this funk that I was in. I was like, to be honest, I feel a lot better than I have felt in a long time. Like I needed that. I just went into the body, soul, mind. But I thought, you know what? I'm the guy who walked across Antarctica and done all this other crazy shit. Like maybe this is just like a me thing. But during COVID, as we all knew, as I did as well, we all knew this in our community, friends, family members, colleagues, et cetera, who were struggling, right? It's just a tough time in the world. Like what the hell is going on? And so I started just subtly sharing this with people, all different people, young, old, fit, not fit, different circumstances. Like I did this thing, man. And I literally walked out my front door, put my phone on airplane mode, stayed out for 12 hours and it completely reset my body and mind. I feel amazing. And all of a sudden people started taking me up on it. And, you know, from, like I said, all walks life, even my 77 year old mother-in-law who her 12 hour walk was to walk one time around her block, sit on her front porch for an hour, wait and recover. And then walk another time around her block. Like, I don't care if you walk for one mile or 50 miles. I don't care how many breaks you take. The exercise is an exercise of the mind of taking a day away from the noise, away from the social media, away from the constant buzzing of people and interactions to go inwards. We don't often take that time in our modern society. And it is outside the comfort zone. Your feet might get tired. You might be a two or a three. You might get tired, maybe a one even in your own thoughts of negativity or whatever's rolling around in there. But I have not known a single person to take this 12-hour walk that doesn't get back to the front door much closer to a 10, a seven, an eight, a nine, a 10, feeling fulfilled, feeling proud of themselves, feeling like they've worked through some stuff in their brain that just like, you know, dusted the cobwebs off. It's powerful, man. Like 12 hours on one hand seems like long, but it's one day. Imagine all the fives you've lived over the last year. Day, like how many days in a year go by? You can't even remember what you did. This thing committing to this one day, boom, like you have a positive impact instantly. And my goal with this, this book, this project really, it's not like I get it. This is free for everyone. It doesn't cost me. I don't get a dollar every person who does a 12 hour walk. I just want to spread this message, which is, my goal is to have 10 million people take this 12 hour walk. 
And I hope people listening take me up on that because it really is truly powerful. I think there's so many um, different obstacles, mental and physical obstacles built into this that you probably come away with it. Because like, as I'm thinking about it right now, I go, I, I could walk for 12 hours. I know I could do that physically, but without music or a podcast, that's fucking, it actually scares me. Like yes. it's actually a, like I get, I feel a physical reaction thinking about 12 hours of silence, right? With myself, I got to be honest with you. The scariest person on earth is my mind. Yes. I do think of it as like another person that usually is trying to steer me into the ground and I got to like fight it. And I don't know who I am in this equation because it's all me. Right. <laughs> um, so like, I definitely am going to do this. It sounds fantastic. And it sounds like for anyone who is, you know, and I, and I, I'm not a psychologist or trained in anything really, but I think about like, if you feel hopeless or inadequate and you set a fucking ridiculously hard goal, like not checking in for 12 hours and being alone with yourself and doing something physical and you accomplish it, then you'd be set up feeling like you could do anything. A hundred percent. And what's interesting, and this has been an interesting byproduct that I love about this experience is the 12 hours itself, the walking, that's where the juice is. That, that is a profound challenge. But what I've actually found in suggesting this and now witnessing so many people take this on is that the experience of the 12 hour walk actually begins right now. And you just alluded to it. You were like, okay, I'm thinking about like, I'm telling you about this and you're thinking about this in your own mind and what's coming up, what actually comes up. You're listening to this podcast of us talking about this right now. This is perhaps the first time you've heard about this ridiculous idea of the 12 hour walk. And there's a couple of different groups of people. There's the, there's the group of people who's like, I freaking love this. I'm doing this tomorrow. Hell yeah. I'm in and like, maybe that's 1% of people. Right. And then, man, there's the far other side of the spectrum, which is this Colin O'Brady guy is a complete idiot. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I'm turning this podcast up right now and blocking him on Instagram. It was a dumb, whatever, like just so anti. Hopefully that's a small group of people as well. But most people fall somewhere in the middle, right? Which is they're like, okay, this is sort of, I'm curious. I'm listening. Okay. But then what happens? The, the limiting beliefs start looping and yeah. it's different for every person, but they might yeah. go, Oh, yeah, I had this old football injury and my knee this. And like, I, yeah, I can never do that, whatever. Even though I just told you my 77-year-old brother-in-law walked one time around a block and took a break, that limiting belief came up for you. Or you go, yo, man, like, this is cool, but like, I don't got that kind of time for this, right? I, you know, I'm like, I got busy life. I got job. I got kids. Like, when would I ever find the time? Let's not forget about the fact that you've seen every episode of Game of Thrones. You've seen every episode of Tiger King. Like, you're going to tell me you don't have the time. You have the time, man. You're just not prioritizing the time. But whatever, you know, like, fine. But the point is, is when I say it starts right now, by the way, love, love Game of Thrones. That was, that was a worthy 70 hours yeah, of my time. <laughs> but no, but, uh, but uh, the, the point is, is that why I say the exercise, the 12-hour walk starts right now. Is because just by me suggesting it to you in this moment, I am holding up a mirror to you. Yeah. I am holding up a mirror to your own internal dialogue. And what I have found is the limiting beliefs that you might be applying to the 12-hour walk in this moment when you're hearing about it for the first time are potentially most likely the same limiting beliefs that are holding you back on a loop in all sorts of other things in your life that are actually the things that are getting in the way of you living your best life. 
But what's beautiful about it, it's not just that mirror. Okay, now you know this. Sorry, like these are your, these are your flaws. It's actually saying, I am giving you an invitation to fight back against that. So let's say the limiting belief, I don't have enough time comes up. But you still put the 12-hour walk on, on your calendar. You can do this thing any day. By the way, if you're looking for a day to do it, I'm doing it on September 10th. There's a bunch of people committed already on September 10th. You're walking by yourself alone, but that camaraderie of knowing other people in the world are doing it. But this is based on any single day. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Your first thought when I said this is I don't have enough time, but you've battled back against that. You put it on your, you put it on your calendar, you complete it and you go, Oh, I did make the time for this. And so a week from now, when something else comes up, I, I want to go to the gym or I should start this, this mindfulness practice. I don't have enough time. And you go, Oh, there's that limiting belief again. Hello, friend. <laughs> I remember you. I, you're still there. It's not like you didn't go away. But I've realized that I can shift away from that. And that possible mindset, that mindset of strength gets louder and the limiting, limiting belief voice gets quieter, meaning the 12-hour walk is a stand-in to prove to yourself that you actually have the capacity to battle back against that negative mindset. And when you do, what's the ripple effect on the other side of that? How many other things can you quiet in your mind that are not serving you and make more loud the voices that are, the commitment, the grace, the excitement, the fulfillment elements of life? And so that's what I said, the 12-hour walk. The process starts right now, whether you take me up on this or not, whether you go to my website, 12hourwalk.com and sign up, like I said, it's free for everyone to participate. I just want people to participate and take this on because I think it'll make the world a better place. But that's up to you right now. But you September actually are 10th, this. September 10th is the day like that's the day like because I'll do September 10th because it just it just made me really relax because I was like, fuck, can I do this tomorrow? And I'd much rather put it off till September 10th. Please join me on September 10th. So you can, if you're listening, you can do the 12 hour walk any day. This is evergreen to fit into your schedule. Like I said, it's from your front door. You don't have to pre-train for this. You don't have to wait to go on some vacation. If you live in a big city, your silence like is solitude is not broken by cars driving past you or someone walking past your street. People do the 12 hour walk in Manhattan all the time. It's your own silence. It's you not putting on your own music, your own pockets. This can be done anywhere, any day, anytime. However, 
I am organizing mass part. There's already a few thousand people signed up for September 10th, which is we will be all walking alone together. I love they, it. Like, it. It's the accountability to that. So if I can count you for September 10th, man, I love that. And you know, we'll probably, you know, have a group text or something like, all right, I'm leaving my front door. You just know phones on airplane mode, but yeah. when you get back that day, you know, there's a group of people that have also done it. And, and I, I love, I want people to sign up for September 10th or whatever day suits them. But when you think about accountability, we know this from, from exercise, right? You know, you tell your buddy, you're going to meet him at the gym. You're way more likely that you're going to show up than if it's just you. So I even tell people with the 12 hour walk, let's say September 10th is not in flow for, for your schedule or whatever. You've got a, you've got a group text with five college buddies. Or you got your, you know, your best friend or your mom or someone like this. You say, Hey, I want to do this 12 hour walk thing. Do you want to do it? Okay. How about two Saturdays from now? And you both commit to that. You might be in different cities or different neighborhoods or whatever. You're still by yourself on the walk, but it's 6am and you're like, are you about to walk out? Yep. I'm about to walk out my door. All right. My phone's on airplane mode. Let's FaceTime at dinner tonight and talk about how this was. Let, let's, let's meet up and catch up about this. Cause that integration that, so it, it is about being alone, but the accountability and even the integration with community is tremendously powerful as well. And so it's not to avoid that, but the exercise is alone, but the accountability can be very strong in numbers. I love this so much, dude. You know, um, I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, Cameron Haynes and uh, Goggins and guys like that. However, I just want to say, I know if I tried to run an ultra marathon today, I fail. I just know Mm -hmm. that structurally, I'm not going to make that. Um, there's also a lot of mental shit stopping me from doing it, but I also just know structurally, I'm not going to make an ultra marathon. Uh, I've ridden, um, you know, uh, many centuries on my bike. I've done like cardiovascularly. Maybe I survived something like that, but I just, so, so I go like, a lot of the way I train my body is so that I can continue doing what I'm doing forever and yes. increasingly get better very slowly. So when I think about these extreme things, I'm often like, well, I've, I've been in the headspace where I have to punish myself well, where I have to kill myself every day in some idea of like getting better. And what would tend to happen for me is I'd get injured. So I also think that perspective of you've got to hurt yourself in order to succeed, that doesn't work for me. This is entirely mental barriers that you're yes. that you're talking about overcoming. Because for me, there's no fear of like, I'm going to get a blister. You know what I mean? Like my I'm going to tear my uh, my my other meniscus or my patella is going to go bad in the midst of this. No, it's a walk. You're not even talking about walking uphill. You just said people do it in Manhattan, like the great, the steepest grade in Manhattan is like 2%. (laughs) Totally. No, I mean, I, and I agree with you. Look, I, both those guys you mentioned, Cameron Haynes and David Goggins, like I love, you know, they fucking fire you up, you know, fire you up. and, And I get that. But there is a piece of that. And again, it's not to, you know, I guess it's not a criticism at all, but there's like a, and then I broke the five metatarsals in my foot and I kept running. And I'm like, yeah. man, like that's some crazy shit. But then like, I also know you didn't run then for a couple months. Cause like you had to get a cert, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. whatever it's like not to be critical of that because i think just getting people fired up and and the mindset stuff that they're talking about is very similar mindset I agree. Stuff i'm talking about is very part and parcel, but the 12 hour walk is meant to be sustainable. Meaning what I mean by that is it's hard, man. It is hard. It's going to push you. It's going to challenge you. 
and, and the day after you can maybe be a little sore, sore, whatever. But the point is, is for you to take that day after and the day after that and the week after that and hit the ground running, like be energized, be lit up, not going, oh, I pushed this and now I'm broken for three months and I can't do this for you. What you just said about longevity is, is probably the most important thing to me at this phase. You know, I'm 37 years old. Like I said, I have 10 world records. I continue to push my body at elite levels. But I also want to be doing that stuff when I'm 50, when I'm 60, right. when I'm 70, right? You know, that's important to me. And that's sustainability. And also, I love long-term goals. And this, the 12-hour walk is not to, to push that aside, the importance of that. I often ask people this question, which is, you know, what's your Everest? My goal was to climb Everest when I was a little kid. Didn't have the money, had no idea, didn't know mountain and wreck, but I was just in my mind, it was fixed. And eventually when I was 31 years old, I summited Everest for the first time. And then last year I went back and summited Everest again with my wife, which was an incredible experience to share with her. So I have achieved that goal, but I still ask myself that question. What's my next Everest? What's right. my next Everest, right? And that's important for everyone to know it. So I'm not saying don't have those big goals. And sometimes those big goals take months and days and weeks and years to build towards, right? And that's important. That's an anchor in a lot of ways uh, of unlocking your best life. But the 12-hour walk meets you today. It meets you right where you are at. And that's why I say, man, there's not, there's no rate. There's no like record board that said like, yo, this guy went 54 miles in 12 hours of walking. Like he's the best 12 hour walker. Yo, if he was pushing himself and not giving the mental exercise, but he was listening to a podcast, then he actually didn't do the 12 hour walk. But the person who went one mile and stayed in that solitude and silence and listened to their body and their mind, they did the 12 hour walk. So it is an exercise in its own unique way. That meets you right where you're at, which takes the excuses off the table, which takes the like, oh, you got to travel to this beautiful mountain nature hike and wait until you're on vacation and whatever. Like, if that's what you want to do, cool. But I actually have found people doing this. So I say your front door. First of all, the front door takes off all the excuses of travel, all the excuses of maybe one day, another moment, not whatever. It's like, but there's even a more powerful reason to that, which is. The 12 hour walk is an exercise that imprints on your psyche and your mind in your day to day life. And what I mean by that is you go walk outside your front door and you come back to your front door. A week from now, when you're commuting to work and you cross some intersection, you go to yourself like, man, I remember I walked past here on hour seven and I was struggling, but I was thinking about this and I made it through. Or I had this epiphany about this and that, and that's right by the corner store that you go to like all the time. Or you say to yourself like, man, I usually tell this is a long drive to get from here to here, a 15 minute drive. You're like, I walked 10 miles past this place on my feet. It is imprints in your day-to-day life. And so you have these echoes of this experience that harken back to your day-to-day experience. And so that's why, again, I love long-term goal. Love the goal of, hey, I want to run my first marathon. All right, well, you got to start by running the 5K, then the 10K, build your body up and all that. And those are cool. They're just different. They're not this. This meets you where you are at today and you can gain the benefit from it today. And that's why I love it. I also think it's a really beautiful way because, um, you know, the the area that I think and talk about the most because it plagued me my whole life is um, obesity, weight loss, just the struggle with that. A hundred percent of it is for me mindset. And it's the belief that that when I have a craving to do something that I know to be harmful to myself, I am able to not do that. 
there was a long period of time where I wasn't able to not do that. And so I think uh, like me, anybody who has this idea that that they cannot control themselves, something like this will give them proof positive evidence because this is a hell of a lot harder than a moment where you're deciding between, you know, a chicken breast and, you know, chicken teriyaki at some fast food place. Well, you, you know well, what I mean? I mean, a hundred percent. And it, it's, I was so excited to, to talk to you on this podcast because um, combating obesity has been a big passion of mine for a long time. My wife and I in 2015 started a nonprofit, which we still run. And the, the first initiatives around it were specifically around combating childhood obesity. We had a bunch of partnerships with the, the current you know, political administration at the time, the Obama administration, the Alliance for a Healthier Generation, which is all focused on this around kids and kids' health. And I'm still deeply, like deeply, deeply passionate about that. At this point, we've had a million students enrolled in our various programs. And as I got deeper, I, I mean, the science is super important. The health and the diet is super important. I mean, all, as you and I both know, like that is a, a core foundation. If you don't have that, you've got, you know, nothing when we're, you know, trying to fight against this epidemic. But below that is a little is mindset, right? It's habits. Right. It's about it's about reframing actual societal habits at large, not just the individual. And so that all of those components are intertwined. Anyways, I could I could do I could talk to hours and hours about that because I think it is it is it is so important. You know, as we have created high fructose corn syrup and things that we didn't have as a hunter gatherer society and the ease and accessibility of that, you know, there's all sorts of issues, equity, yeah, food desert, I mean, no, go on yes. and on and on. Right. But there is an element of what you're talking about of when you train your mind and maybe you don't think it's been this, in this case, it's not directly about food. Should I have the chicken breast or should I have the chicken McNugget? Should I have the this or the that? But when you better yourself, across the board, when you strengthen your mind, when you prove to yourself that maybe the incremental harder decision leads a more positive result, what is the ripple effect about through your whole life, through, through your health, through food, through your relationships with family, through your patience, through your, your presence, through your own perseverance and grit, that is the magic in something like this for sure. Yeah. No, I, 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 do, I can see the compounding effects of doing something like this and how important it would be and how um, freeing, you know, because I do think we become trapped in our ideas and that our ideas and our perspective can dominate the way we live our life. And if, if a prevalent one is, I can't, if I'm, if, if that's a thought I'm having often, then a good way to break that is by doing something you believe you can't do. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and the minute you said, I turned my phone off because I was like, I'll fucking crush 12 hours. I'll listen to a book. You know what I mean? I'll put on yeah, a yeah. book and I'll zone out. And when you started talking about I do it in silence, it scared me because it's like, I swear to God, the scariest place on earth for me is my mind. And to have to deal with my thoughts and my mind for 12 hours is scary. That's hard. But I want to do it simply because it's fucking hard. And I think I'll win and I'll feel better. Oh yeah. And I, there's a moment on that first day I talked about crying that first day in Antarctica. I finally get in my tent. I go to sleep that first night and I'm like, yeah, I'm in my, I'm in my head. I'm in the place that you're afraid of that. I'm afraid of too, that dark corner of my own mind. 
And I wake up that I'm like, I'm embarrassed. Like I said, I just announced the world. I'm going to do this thing, whatever. I think maybe I'm going to fail on the 30th day, but I'm the day one hour one. I'm crying. Like I'm a failure. And I wake up in my tent that morning alone in Antarctica. But I like to joke around that my tent was full of all these people. I'm like, who are the people? The five, seven worth versions of myself, but like looking back at myself going, Colin, you are a piece of shit, man. Like you're, you're such a failure. You suck. Like you're how embarrassing you told everyone you're going to do this. Now you're out here like crying. Like, what you know, what is wrong with you? Right. We all know that place. That is a scary, that's the scariest place alone, yeah. beating up your own thoughts. But that day to cut through that noise, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but I was desperate in this moment in Antarctica. I actually stood up out of my tent, minus 30 outside. And I start yelling. If, if you're a random person, saw me like this crazy guy by himself, but I start yelling, Colin, you are strong. You are capable. Just trying to make that voice louder. You are strong. I'm literally in a battle with my Colin. You are strong. You are capable out loud. The point being like, Yo, the mind, our own mind. Like, I love that you said you almost deep personify your own mind. Like, who is this guy who's beating me up? Like, they're you know? awful. My mind is the worst, dude. Yeah. I fight with my mind all the time, and I don't know who wins all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I winning is the bad guy winning. The bad guy's still me. Totally. And we have all been there. I've been there and it's a constant, it's a constant work, but getting in touch with that and actually looking at that, taking that hard look right now, being suggested the 12 hour walk and go, Oh, are that, ne- is that negative guy popping up? What, what's he telling me? What's she telling me right yeah. now? Right. And then being able to move through that. Uh, there's a lot of strength and positivity in that, man. Dude, it's, it's, it's so great. It's such a powerful message. Um, you said you have 10 world records. What are the other ones? <laughs> yeah. So I was the first person to cross Antarctica solo uh, unsupported and unaided. I um, set the speed record for something called the Explorers Grand Slam. So I climbed the tallest mountain on each of the seven continents. So Everest, Denali, Kilimanjaro, et cetera, as well as the North going to North and South Pole all consecutively in four months. So faster than anyone's ever knocked those all out back to back to back to back to back. Jesus Christ. Um, also the seven summit speed record. I, me and a team of others, we were the first people to row a boat across Drake passage. So from the Southern tip of South America to Antarctica, you um, rowed a boat. Yeah, it was oh God. 40 foot swells, icebergs, 750 miles of the most dangerous ocean in the world. There's actually a feature like that discovery documentary called the impossible row. If you, you can stream it on discovery plus, if you ever want to see me getting bounced around and nearly dying in a rowboat, uh, <laughs> for some entertainment, um, let's see what else I, um, I have this how, how long some- did that take? About two weeks, that one. Yeah. Wow. Um, just grinding on the oars. And I'll tell you, we probably don't have enough time for it, but when I committed to that, this is a, you just said that versus I can or I can't kind of thing that made me think of this. And I write about this in the book in the 12 hour walk. When I committed to that, when I actually convinced the Discovery Channel to, to film this, you know, put a bunch of big production budget behind, you know, recording it and telling that story, what I didn't tell them at first was I never rode a boat anywhere, man, ever, <laughs> ever, literally ever. Like not at summer camp, not like just dicking around and call. Like I've never been on a rowboat before. And I had three months until I was leaving. But that's the belief of I am not a rower. If you leave it there, that means you're never going to be a rower. I am not a rower. You add one word to that yet. You know, like you had never done a podcast till you turn on the microphone and started talking. You had never acted in a, a television show or a film or something like you've done all the sorts of like until you probably I don't know. I don't know your whole story, but it's tried out for your first school play or, you know, at, you know, it's at, at some point you're like, 
we're all novices. Kobe Bryant was a novice in basketball at some point. until his dad gave him a basketball and said, let's shoot some hoops one day. Right. Yeah. And so that I am not a, this yet is powerful. Um, I, you know, I had, I, I did, I did have something. Um, it's nothing on this level at all, but it was a way to, um, a, a kind of a firm faith in myself. I was, I was having a, a rough time in my life. I was like sick of being overweight and I had lost weight and gained weight back. And I was plagued by you suck, you suck and you you're incapable. And I grew up in Los Angeles. You're surrounded by mountains. And I remember almost daily on my ride to school, we'd drive by this one, you know, there'd be a mountain off in the distance. And I always thought, I wonder what that's like at the top. And then I'd think like, I doubt a road goes there. Well, so I'll never know what that's like. And, and one day I found myself driving by and I had this thought and I remembered being a little kid and I was like, fuck this. And I just pulled over and walked yes. to the top of the mountain. And, yes. I was, and it was one of these feelings of like, holy fuck, I've been wondering about this for 35 years and I just walked up and it was it was hard. It sucked, but I did it. I did have headphones in and I was listening to music, but I, but I still, but now you it. know what's up there. Right. Right. Now I know what's up there. And then I spent a couple of months where I decided that anytime I had a thought I had to act on it. And so and nothing, no negative thoughts, but it was all positive. Like what's over there. I got to go find out. And I, I wonder if I could do this. Well, I got to try. And I found that I was capable of a hell of a lot more than I thought I was. Yeah. You, I mean, you can learn, you can grow, you really can become anything with that beginner's mindset, with that growth mindset, with that possible mindset. It, it's huge. There, you, you were asked before some of the other records, one more that I think you might find to be fun, uh, which is a domestic one, um, which requires climbing a mountain in California, um, was uh, I, um, Whitney, exactly. I wow. climbed the, I have the speed record for climbing the tallest mountain in each of the 50 U.S. states. So each state has the highest point in it. And I climbed all 50 in 21 days. Jesus so, Christ. uh, you know, multiple mountains per day, back to back to back to back to back it was really crazy. My wife and some support team drive around an RV. So they, they put like 10,000 miles in an RV. And basically anytime I got to a trail, they kick me out, I go climb, come back, whatever, 21 day sprint around the country. So yeah, man, lots of, lots of fun adventures, but I love, you know, for me, and the message of this book is it, it light your brain up through the lens of adventure, through the lens of rich storytelling that, that are exciting and fun. Cause I, I love storytelling. That's why we love movies. That's why I love television show, you know, books, whatever, but through the lens of empowering you and through the lens of empowering you to take that own journey uh, in, in your own mind. And to me, I love to say, like, I think we all have a masterpiece to paint in our life. Our canvases might be different. You know, my canvas happens to be the ends of the earth and mountaintops. And I, I don't I don't blame you if you're listening. It's like, I don't want to go freeze my ass off by myself in the middle of Antarctica. Like, I don't blame you for that, man. Of course, right. you know, trust me, I, I, I question my own sanity when I'm doing that kind of shit. But you do have a masterpiece inside of you. You have this life. You have a life that can be full of fulfillment and depth and not just a steady stream of five, five, five. Break free of that comfort zone. Take the 12 hour walk to act on this, act on these impulses of positivity and, and build and build towards the life that you want. Paint, paint on whatever canvas that that is for you, but make sure you paint that masterpiece. I love it, dude. Where's the where's the website if people want to sign up? 
Yeah, 12hourwalk.com. Um, book is the 12 hour walk, all, all easy. I'm at Colin O'Brady on social. Um, but yeah, sign up, come to the website, sign up. Signing up just means I'm gonna, you know, track you finishing your walk, give uh give you some positivity and some positive vibes in your inbox uh to make sure you get to that start line. September 10th is is the big global walk day. Um, meaning if, if you want that extra umph of a, a community of people at scale doing it, please join September 10th. But sign up, do this. Um, you know, dive in. Ethan, sounds like you're joining joining. I'm my doing man. it. It's September 10th. Yeah. Amazing. Putting it in my calendar. Amazing. Love it. Love it. Love it. Colin, thank you so much. My pleasure. Mike Pena. What's up, buddy? The fucking dreaded plateau, huh? Oh, my gosh, dude. I'm like, I, uh, you know, I tightened up the, uh, the nutrition. The water intake is good. The walking is good. 20,000 steps uh, four or five days a week. And, you know, the first week where we weren't able to talk, yeah, I was almost, I was almost like, Oh, well this works out. Cause there's nothing to talk about. Right. And then, and then Jesus, and then it happens a second week. And dude, when you're working like, and you're seeing results, it's, it motivates you. Yeah. But when you don't see any results, you're like, son of a bitch. And okay. Let me ask you this. Has anything crept in have you started using more salt that you're aware of or sauces or anything like that no um eating slightly less is the only thing really yeah like you know like uh like i haven't eaten this morning right and it's and it's uh noon right right now and uh normally on the golf course i would be golfing um, and walking those, those steps, um, which is a great, you know, great way to have those, those 20,000 steps in. I'll have some celery and peanut butter, you know, two or three pieces of, uh, celery with a little bit of peanut butter. And it's perfect. Holds me off until like 3 PM until I have my first real meal. Yeah. Um, Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And uh, and then I'll have like a big dinner, right? Right, um, somewhere around like eight p.m. And that's kind of it, you know, eight or nine, and and I'm done. Okay, well, whenever I diet, there there does come a point, and you, you know, actually, you've been doing this a month, right? Yeah, yeah. So. There, there's always a point where you have to reduce again. You have to reduce your your food intake again. That every every um, successful diet I've ever done, it's not totally linear. There is a, a a reduction. Like, okay, I've been doing this now for a month or six weeks. I'm going to take another, you know, ten percent out of my calories. Um, and really, the reason I do that is. You know, when you think of yourself at, let's say you were 200 pounds and you lose 5% of that, well, that's 5% less energy that your body needs to move itself around. And so the total caloric amount that you need has gone down because you just need less fuel. So there could be something to like an intentional, I would not suggest reducing in total meals so like I, I i find it hard if i just start taking meals out but i would go like what is the meal i want to have okay now can i cut you know an eighth out of it right i mean and well by the way and i got some numbers uh because i went to you know I, I just for just for like um I don't know if anybody else does it, but I, I don't mind doing it. Like I trained with Aaron Baban for a long time, you yeah. know, who's a Channing, Channing Tatum's guy. And then I trained with Grant Roberts, who's a really great trainer. Yeah. Um, and just to switch it up to make things new, like I'm, you know, I'm going to Jason Walsh for uh, about three weeks. Okay. Um, and they all have different stuff going on, but it's, you know, I thought, hey, this is kind of cool. Like this is fun. Um, I got new numbers, by the way. Okay. Uh, so when I when I left, I was two oh nine. Oh wow! And, and I'm at one eighty nine right now. So, so that's I a full ten percent. That's even more. That's over ten percent. A reduction. Yeah, and I was like at thirty percent body fat, which is a lot. Uh, and I'm at twenty five right now. That's fucking great, right? dude. That's awesome. Yeah. So we want to get it to like eighteen, right? Yeah. And I think, uh, and I think that. You know, like what I started thinking is I'm like, okay, these walks, to be honest with you, like now that I'm going golfing and I'm walking, I think my body's used to them because now on the whoop, rain. Yeah. So that's what's changed more than anything. Yeah. Well, and so, I mean, that's a good point because the other thing I do in my training is there's always an increase. And then, you know, after you know, 
a month or six weeks of increasing, I definitely take an easy week. And weight loss seems to be harder on that easy week because I'm just being less active. But the, the, your body will certainly get used. To, if you're doing 20,000 steps a day, eventually your body's just going to go like, we don't have to work as hard to do this. Yeah, exactly. I used to be really sore. And what's really cool, dude, what's actually a great reward, you know, to anybody who's trying this, this walk thing. Number one, it works and it's amazing. And number two, like foot massage, man. Yeah. 15, 20 bucks for half an hour feels like heaven. Yeah. And it feels like such a great reward. Um, and it's, you know, at first I, I was like, yeah, why would I ever do that? But it, it just relieves the tension. But now I realize I'm like, whoa, I haven't needed <clears throat> that or hasn't been sore. So that's why, you know, I'm, I'm working out again. But the workout and I told him what I wanted to do. And we're just doing movement patterns. Right. right? Like just and, and, and they're what they want to do is like just to get me moving. I could tell that my mobility isn't where it wants to be. Where, or where it should be. So we're just kind of working on that. And what's cool about that is it gives you a different game. You know what I mean? Like that's what's, that's what's cool about switching up, you know, different trainers here, here and there. Yeah. And, and so that's what I'm going to do now. And, and I'm going to do it just three times a week. Um, that's awesome. But, more stress onto the body. But you're not, you're not uh, foregoing your walks to do that. You're going to no, also do No, no, no. That, that's what they said. I'm like, um, you know, there's a guy Devin there and then also Jason Walsh. And I said, you know, what should I do? And he's like, dude, you got to keep on those walks. He's like, those walks are, are the, the foundation we found out for you, dude. And I was like, yeah, you're right, man. Like it's, it's the walking and it's crazy. And I'm like, you know, cause you go, you know, I, I remember I shot something in, in Victoria, uh, Vancouver, like, uh, Vancouver Island. And there's a lot of older people that are walking all the time. And I'm like, now I get it. For some reason, walking, it, it just affects people differently and in a great way. And for me, it, it, it's, it's almost like a miracle. Yeah. So I, I have to keep that going. Yeah. No, no, I, I agree. And, and, and if you can, um, if it doesn't like take too much time, increase it a little bit if you can. I mean, I'm at already at. I'm at about three hours of walking. Three hours of walking, right. Okay, well, listen, the increase could even be in the pace. It doesn't have to be total steps. It could be uh, put put a little bit more effort into it so that the, the just so that the um, volume of energy it takes to get it done is increased slightly, very slightly. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, you're right. I'm like, I have noticed that I could have, I could have walked faster a couple of times because you know, I know for a fact that like, you know, when I'm when I'm playing some of these things like with a pro, they walk so much faster and they don't look like they're putting in any more energy, but they're used to it. But they walk fast. Yeah. And a lot a lot of these new pros, you know, they're very thin and, and they look like boxers more than, you know, the old golfers. So that's definitely something I can do and put my attention on. Yeah. And and my my final thing, like I I think sodium you know, from everything I've read is, is very vitally important. Some amount of sodium to 
us living, especially if you're spending out time, time outside and walking and sweating and stuff like that. However, I have noticed with myself after I'm dieting for a while and I'm just uh, feeling like uh, a need for more satiation through food that I'm not totally getting from the quantity, I will start to salt the shit out of my food. And that can mask weight loss. So I don't know if you're doing that, but maybe just take a couple of days and be aware of how much salt you're consuming because I'm not even saying that it's bad to consume, but it will make you hold on to excess water. Right. So there's, you know, there's, there's definite like water retention, but that doesn't really, that's not the real number, right? No, but the, the no, but the thing is with when if you're losing weight and suddenly you're plateaued, something I've I've done a few times has gone like, okay, I was perfect this week, and nothing changed. My I did all the workouts that were programmed. There was an increase in volume of activity. I should have lost weight. What was the problem? And then when I have to like pick it apart. I go like, oh, I'm salting the shit out of my food. And I don't just I don't cut out sodium because I don't want to get like lightheaded and stuff like that. But when I reduce sodium back to the levels that they were at previously, there will be a like a a big noticeable difference on the scale. Right, right, right. Because it's uh, yeah, because I what, what's weird is that in the last two weeks, you know, when I'm changing, I, I'm like, oh, whoa, I could see the abs coming in, dude. That's really cool. And then, you know, my wife sees me every day and she commented and I was like, wow, that's really weird because I'm like in this last week and a half, two weeks, I felt like the numbers plateaued, but the body's definitely changing. Right. So it could be water. Yeah, it, it could totally be water. And, and have you been using the same scale this entire time or does the scale change? Yeah. You know what I realize is like, did we have a, a a scale that you know that she used all the time and when i first step on it it it's heavy and and normally i would use it like around noon or something like that and then if you step on it some more i'm like then it calibrates to the real weight i have two i have two scales yeah um and and so sometimes you need to step on it a couple times cuz i'm definitely not 200 pounds Right. Um, and then it finally kicks in. But um, but even then, with my all my clothes on and blah, 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 it was like it went up to 191. So I know that it's pretty darn close. Well, listen, how, how, well, what I would say is, number one, never weigh yourself other than first thing in the morning. Because anything you consume is going to be in that number. So it's not a true number. And then never weigh yourself with fucking clothes on. Who knows how much your clothes weigh? By the way, those kind of scales aren't good at weighing three or four pounds. So you could even take all your clothes off and weigh them and not get an accurate number. But you're going to get a more accurate number if you take your clothes off. Yeah. So what I was saying is like I, you know, I didn't weigh myself for four days. And then so it seems like with the home scales, the springs could be a little taut. Sure. And so, you know, but if I'm weighing myself every day, then, it, you know, the, uh, but at the end of the day, I'm like, it's not going to go down three pounds. You know what I mean? Like, so I know that I have plateaued a little bit. Okay, fine. Fair enough. You've plateaued a little bit. If I, I don't, 
if you're like waking up in the morning and peeing and getting on the scale with only your boxer shorts on versus weighing yourself in the middle of the day after coffee and water fully dressed, that for sure could be a three pound difference. Right, right, right. Yeah, I've noticed that. Dude, the iPhone weighs weighs almost a pound. Yeah, you're not taking your phone out of your pocket, dude. Come on. I would Yeah, d- dude. I'm not trying I'm not trying to handicap myself. I'm just, you know, Listen, I'm just trying to see where I'm at. I am exhaling as much as I can before I step on the scale just so just in case that air weighs anything. Oh yeah, that yeah, that air test a little bit. I make sure that I you know, I use the restroom and I'm like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. it's a big test. It, you know, it sets it sets the tone for the day. Exactly. Yeah, I think if you if you put a little bit more intensity into your walks and uh, just are are aware of how much salt you're using um and i th- i think you're i think you're going to be fine and then the only other thing i would say is you know i don't know how how much carbohydrates you're eating every day but um or fats but i would shave something off of there i wouldn't mess with your protein at all yeah what i was thinking by just talking to you is i think what i'm going to do is replan everything Right. So, you know, uh, like, you know, like make a fresh plan, yeah. like I'm starting from scratch, but keeping in mind what worked and what not, just so that I make sure that I'm not that I'm being as disciplined as I can be. Yeah, totally. I, I think that's smart. And, and um, if I could get you to eat some protein in the morning instead of just fiber and fat. I would encourage that if you can. Yes. So what do you think now, man? Because I'm like, I mean, uh, I've been fasting till noon, but now I'm like, wait a minute. Now now let's change it up a little bit because I might, I might actually, it might actually be good to have protein like in the morning. I'm a big fan of protein in the morning. Egg whites, um, Greek yogurt, whey protein and water. I'm a big, big fan of any of, you know, I'm thinking of like what is typically thought of as breakfast type foods. Um, I personally will wake up and eat bison for breakfast. Um, right. You know, right. But like, so to each his own there, if you can eat chicken breast, eat chicken breast or salmon or, you know, if you're like, a, if, if you're like, um, you know, my, my kids would never or Brandy would never eat that shit in the morning for some reason they have to eat breakfast type foods so in that case it's like there's yogurt and fruit and uh eggs and there's lots of stuff that are quote-unquote breakfast foods yeah i mean i think what i'm going to do is just a couple of eggs and some turkey bacon and i think i'll be i'll be off and then you know go into my um go into like you know my walking with a little bit more energy yeah for sure I think that'll be helpful. Yeah. And, you know, carbs are not a bad thing to eat then. The the carbs uh will help like if you if you could if you could trade a serving of carbs from later in the day to earlier in the day, that could give you more energy too. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to do like a little bit of carbs in the in the morning and at lunch and then at night just just like vegetables and, and, you know, some kind of lean protein. Yeah. 
That's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, all right, that's and, what I'm going to do. And by the way, if you're having your carbs at night, that could, you know, carbs carbs will hold on to five times the liquid that salt does. So that's something and and I'm I would never talk you out of having carbs. I think carbs are are really really helpful um especially if you're moving as much as you are. But when you eat the carbs could play a part in it. So if you eat the carbs before you exercise, they're going to be used to either immediately replace um, the fuel in your muscles that's being depleted from the exercise uh, or they're going to be used as that energy for that exercise. Right. All right. So I, I, I can definitely do that, like a banana and some almond butter and then, you know, go work out. Yeah, it's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, great. Well, let's see how this week goes. And uh, I think re I think re going over the plan is really smart, actually. Yeah, just to just to see what I can cut out, and and then also puts in a little bit of discipline. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you know, kind of starting from where I am now. Okay, like we're one eighty nine. Let's see what the next plan is. You know what I mean? Because now, I think it's smart to to add in some some exercise, right? Oh yeah, and for keep. Sure. Keeping the walks, right? Because that's something that I could even do, like when I go off to location, is you know, like I'll, I'll you know, I'll, um, I'll walk for like half an hour after my my job. Yeah. Um, while I'm, you know, I'll record my lines, and then I'm, you know, hearing hearing, uh, you know, the, the the scene play over and over again for the next day. I could do that while I'm walking. Totally. Yeah, it's a great idea. Okay, perfect. Amazing, brother. Well, thank you for the call. Thank you for the check-in, and I'll check in with you in a week. Sounds good, brother. All right, dude, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely.